0: Thank you for listening to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast from Asheville, North Carolina. For more information on Trinity Baptist Church, please visit tbcasheville.org. Or to learn more about our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton, please visit ralphsextonministries.com. The speaker for today is our senior pastor, Dr. Ralph Sexton. Take your Bible this Sunday morning and turn with me in the New Testament if you would, to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24. I'd like for you to think with me this Sunday morning about where can I go in time of distress? Where can we go as a nation? Where can we go as a people, as a church, your family, individually? The Bible teaches that there is a refuge, there is a a place of shelter. We know that that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. But I tried to put together some thoughts because this was such a powerful prophetic week. And what a week it was. We've probably seen and experienced just about everything that is possible and packaged in the scriptures in reference to the end time. And think about it, we've seen so much in seven short days. And what a world that we're living in. It seems to be running as fast as it can into the spiritual labor and delivery room as described in Matthew 24 and verse number 8. Matthew 24, 8 reads, And all these are, the beginning of sorrows. That beginning of sorrows is talking about the fact of the birth pains or the labor pains that the world will go into right before the Lord comes back. And Jesus said that out of this teaching here, if you have a red letter edition, He's teaching here in Matthew 24 to His own disciples and He's saying, I'm not going to tell you when I'm coming back, but I'm going to tell you, how you will know that day is approaching. That labor pains will present themselves, those birth pains will come, and you'll know that we're approaching the end of time. This week that you just lived through, the contractions of Bible prophecy are closer together than ever before. And I can say to you most assuredly that The delivery could come at any single moment. There's not one Bible prophecy left to be fulfilled before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're alive to see what's happened. Now remember where we are in Matthew 24. We're on the Mount of Olives and Jesus is sitting there with the disciples and if you're on that plateau looking across the Kidron Valley... And you see the eastern gate and 2,000 years ago, the most beautiful building in the world was sitting on that plateau of Mount Moriah. That would be the Temple Mount and that would be the second temple. And Jesus is sitting here on the Mount of Olives and he's talking to these disciples. And they began to ask him questions. Look at verse number 3. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world. As he said, upon the Mount of Olives, that's where he's located, the disciples are asking questions. They've asked him three questions and those questions are very similar to questions that we ask today. They're very uh, much related to the day and hour that we're living in. And what are those questions that, Human beings ask, and the disciples ask. Question number one, when shall these things be? Tell us, Jesus, how do we know? What's the time frame? Number two, what shall be the the sign of thy coming? What's going to be the things that we'll look for? And thirdly, what shall be the sign of the end of the world? How will we know that the world is ending? And what Jesus quickly did in Matthew 24, those first seven verses, he gives them a quick overview. It's sort of like uh, my return 101. And he lists some things that would allow them to know markers of the Lord's return. One of the things that a Bible believer needs to know would be this one fact that we should remember. To the person or the ...group that does not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ... ...or does not believe that He is coming again... ...the Bible is quite clear... ...that His return is going to be a shock for them. It's going to be... ...they're going to be unbelievably awakened one morning... ...to find out the church is gone. The believers are gone. And they're going to be shock and awe like never before. And if you don't have this verse marked in your Bible... Write it in the margin, study it later, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 10. 2 Peter 3 and verse 10. And in that that passage of scripture, 2 Peter, what does the Lord God Almighty say? He says that I'm going to come back and for the unsaved, for those that do not believe, I will return as a thief in the night. They won't know that I'm coming. I'll be as a thief in the night. Now for you, people that go to church, people that are Bible believers, it's not going to be like that. We're not going to wake up and be shocked. Why? Because we're looking for His return. So in the Word of God, He says to the Bible believer, He doesn't say it's going to be shocking all for us. He said to be watching and to be waiting, be praying for Him to come. Look at Matthew 24, verse 33. When you see all these things, all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Now, you need to uh, pay attention to that phrase, even at the doors, plural, because there are many doors that we're looking at prophetically. We have a scientific world. And the world of science, if you study in there, it's saying that the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus, is coming back. If you look at the economic world, we see that there's a prophecy being fulfilled. Revelation chapter 13 says that right before the Lord comes back, that the culture, the society, the business world will be moving towards a cashless society. Revelation 13, that no man might buy or sell. And you don't realize how close we are to that already, all you have to do is go to your grocery store, go to your Kroger, your Ingalls, and uh, your Publix, and when you go in there, and when you go to check out, tell the clerk, don't scan my groceries, just add them up and I'll pay you. And the clerk will tell you, I can't check you out unless I scan you. Everything has a barcode, it has a number. Go to the department store. You cannot check out without being scanned. We already are in a system that is connected to numbers already. And now you have companies that are using chip IDs in their hand to open secure areas, buy for their lunch in the company lunchroom because we're moving all culture, society is moving that way. That's one of the doors. And then there's the religious door, what's taking place uh, in the Europe that we're seeing one world coming together. Then you look at the political world, we're seeing it with the George Soros thinking around the world. He's using his billions to erase all borders, that there's no country, that there's no flag, and that there's no culture but one world. All of this is tied together in the Word of God. So you're living to see all of these things as a student of the Word. In Matthew 24, verse 42, he says, Watch therefore, for you know not the hour where the Lord cometh. Verse 44, therefore be you also ready. So we need to be students of the Word of God. Now it's hard to believe because we don't sometimes sit down and take it apart and study it but your Bible is literally 25% prophecy. One-fourth of everything that God put in His Word is prophetic. So if I'm reading Matthew 24, here's a red-letter edition of the Word of God. It's coming out of the mouth of Jesus. And we get down here to verse number 32, and Jesus says, now I'm telling you, disciples, here's the answer to these three questions. But here's something else you need to pay attention to that I want you to study the parable of the fig tree. I'm going to deal with the nation of Israel. Now, always remember this, church. It'll help you. God doesn't tell time with a watch or a calendar. God doesn't use a Timex or a Rolex. When God's telling time, God uses the nation of Israel. May 14, 1948, God reached down. And he hit the pendulum counting down to the end of time. And Israel was born. And when God's dealing with the nation of Israel, then we're on, the clock is ticking and the countdown is taking place. And so uh, you cannot get away from the fact that God, in his sovereignty, chose to use this people group, this small people group, born in the Ur of Chaldees, that's out of a rock, they crossed in through the mud wall and gate there at Banias. When you go to Banyas in northern Galilee, you take a little side road, go up by the beehives, and go back into the, the forest there, and there is a clay gate, a dirt gate, that Abraham walked through. I, every year I take my groups there because you need to know where Abraham came out of a rock came into the promised land and the nation of Israel was born. And when May 14, 1948 began the clock had been on pause for all that time since Christ and then when it was time to begin the end, the beginning of the end, if you're going to take a journey, I can't go from here to the pulpit unless I lift my foot and I start the journey. I'm on the way. And then I get, arrive at this point. Well, what happened is God used prophetically the nation of Israel, and then when He called them home, regrouped, and He said, now we'll do the countdown to my return. And that started on that day. That's the, how you know. We don't know the day or the hour of the Lord's return, but we do know when God started using the prophetic clock of Israel to let all of us Bible believers be encouraged. Most people don't understand prophecy. It's not gloom and doom. That's not the purpose of it. That's not the purpose of prophecy. God put prophecy in the Bible, number one, to prove His Word. It's inerrant. It's infallible. That you wouldn't be afraid to trust it. Number two, He put prophecy in the Bible that you would be encouraged. He said, as you see the day approaching... He said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. He said, you actually, it's going to be so dark spiritually outside. Can anyone explain the venom and the poison that's on social network today? I mean, a child can have an accident and people are so cruel and ugly and vile and, and people are posting things and they're just, uh, there's just an anger uh, that's on people that you cannot explain. And what it is, ladies and gentlemen, is that darkness is coming. That day is approaching. And God said, don't panic when you see it. He said, spend more time in the Word. Spend more time with your your family, your brothers and sisters in the Lord because the day's coming that we're going to need each other like never before. And so you're in that time group. And he said, I want you to be encouraged. Now, Can you imagine what we have seen this week just in a few days? You think about this. You literally, I don't know how much you study prophecy, but in Daniel chapter 9, there's a prophecy that the Antichrist will confirm a covenant. And it is very possible that this week when President Trump announced the deal of the century and on his right hand, is Prime Minister Netanyahu. And in the audience are the Gulf State Arab leaders, unheard of. And we've got Jordan, and we've got Egypt in the wings, nodding approvingly, this is good. And all of a sudden, we've got the deal of the century, and we've got the President of the United States saying, not only will the embassy be moved to Jerusalem, but the Golan Heights will be returned to the nation of Israel, And now Judea and Samaria, and now the Jordan River Valley, the Jews are coming home, and there's going to be a restoration, and we will have ultimate peace in the world. And ladies and gentlemen, this draft, this first draft that you saw presented this week, this is the words of Matthew 24:15. Look what it says. And When therefore ye shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Well, you need to go to Daniel 9, 27, and Daniel says that the Antichrist will not make treaties, and I wish I had time to show you. I've got the, the research and the screens. We did it on the Word from God message. You may remember the Oslo Accords, you remember, we showed all these treaties and we showed uh, Camp David accords, you know, and all these accords, but none of them have been confirmed. Not one of them. They're only agreements. And now we had another agreement this week and you could be seeing what the Word of God says. It's coming in the future. This peace accord will be sealed during the tribulation. Uh, Let me give you one more powerful verse. Go to the book of Revelation, chapter 17. And uh, you can study this when you get home. But can you believe that God said that he has power over presidents, over princes? Think of that. And over prime ministers. God said, I'm going to make them do something they don't even want to do. And that's what we saw this week in Washington. We saw the Arabs with the Jews, with the president, and with the prime minister. This is the beginning. This verse 17 did not happen, but we saw the beginning, the foreshadow. For God hath put in their hearts, wow, to fulfill His will and to agree and give their kingdoms unto the beast until the words of God shall be fulfilled. We saw that, just in the foreshadow. We saw nations that didn't want to sit down together. We saw it pre- preparatory and design and all of it. And it was all this week in your lifetime and my lifetime, all these things that are outlined in Matthew chapter 24. Trump and Netanyahu, the Saudis, Iran, uh, United Arab Emirates, uh, all of this was there. The birth pains were started And where do I go to get to this end? You have to have this Matthew 24, verse 8, the beginning. And when you begin to see this, you begin to say, well, where do I go for the refuge? Where am I going to find a refuge? Well, look, that's political. That's all these nations. But what about something that's not political? What about the coronavirus? That's not political. What about the innocent people? What about one city in China with 11,000 citizens that this morning is isolated and cut off? Think about that. Think about what happened last night that the Pentagon ruled that we should open five different military bases and build a hospital that will take 1,000 U.S. citizens in quarantine on military bases to be quarantined. What are they prepping for? Since last Sunday, we now have 12,000 people that have caught this virus, 12,000. Over 600 have died. You know how deadly the flu is? You know how we have to be careful when we get the flu? Well, think about this. The coronavirus is 1,000 times more deadly than the flu virus, 1,000 times worse, 1,000 times more deadly and when we begin to see that this virus went from an animal to a human being, but now it's made the mutation that is so dangerous, it's now mutated so it can go from a human to a human. And we're seeing that in this day and hour, all these things... Listen, there's a lot of people that may not go to church. There's a lot of people don't even want to believe in God. But I promise you, there are people prayed this week that's never prayed in their life before... Because they were on a plane, they were in a city, they were trying to get home, they were quarantined. Do you know what I found out along life's journey? God can get your attention. God can get a nation's attention. God can get us to think about Him one more time. And you say, well, Brother Ralph, is that in the Bible? It surely is, because look at verse 7. For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence. And we're just talking about the pestilence, you know. They say that one out of every seven people walking the streets of New York City has tuberculosis, that it's back. We've allowed measles to come back. Do you understand it's not an accident that all these events in the biological world are returning because we're getting ready to see how much we need the Lord. You say, well, there's no famine in the world. We're fixing all the famine. Well, did you catch the news from Africa early this morning? On French television and Israeli television, both, they carried stories of Somalia declaring a state of emergency over an insect, a desert locust. It's the most voracious locust in the locust family. It can eat its body weight every 24 hours. It consumes that much material. And Somalia declared a state of emergency this morning. Five nations are in jeopardy right now. Kenya is one of them. They said in Kenya, some of the swarms are so large that they are the size of the city limits of the city of Moscow, Russia. That's how big the swarms are. Someone told me at 815 Church, they saw a news report, it might have been on PBS, that the swarms were so big that the reporter standing there, it blocked out the sun, and then in a matter of seconds, he disappeared inside the swarm because that's millions and millions and millions. Well, guess what they announced over the weekend? That these swarms are consuming this year's crops, and today, 23.6 million people will not have food. There'll be famine. The Bible said before the Lord comes back, Famine would return to the earth. 23.6 million people. And as of this morning, they now have changed their their, uh, plot path, I guess it is, because the swarms have gotten so big they can follow them on radar. They now say 30 nations are in danger of this uh, desert locust swarm. And you know what? It's all right here in the Word of God that before the Lord comes back. I, I tried to figure out how large those swarms were. And they said that some of the swarms were as big as the island of Manhattan. That's a big piece of real estate. And then I, I, I tried to read on and find out, well, how much damage can they do? How much food can they consume? And, and Brother Olson, it said that a swarm like that can consume what new york city the 10 million people uh, in the tri-city area that area of new york said whatever every hotel every restaurant every school every institution and every family buys at the grocery store what all those millions of people eat every 24 hour that one swarm can consume in 24 hour one swarm can eat everything that all those people eat in one hour talking about the magnitude Of that consumption but not only all that happening what happened this week with earthquakes it's in the Word of God right here it said that there's going to be earthquakes in diverse places verse 7 and do you remember since we were here Sunday on the 28th we had a big one offshore Cuba and they evacuated the coastline of Miami thought they were going to have a tsunami and so we were made evacuations here in our country so just for the fun of it where there's hundreds of earthquakes every day, some places in Oklahoma are having 40 and 50 and 60 earthquakes a day. So I just went back and looked at every earthquake 5.0, that's a big earthquake, or larger. And the day that uh, earthquake was 7.7 at Cuba, that day there were nine other earthquakes that same day. Nine, 5.0 or larger. And they were ranging from Iran to India. The next day, the 25th, there were five 5.0 or larger from the Solomon Islands to New Britain. On the 30th, there were seven 5.0s or larger from Peru to Greece. And on the 31st, there were nine 5.0 or higher. And they ranged from Japan to Alaska. And you know what Matthew 24 says? It says in verse 7, divers places. Whoever dreamed we'd be having earthquakes in Madison County. But we are. We're having earthquakes right here in western North Carolina. And we're living to see these prophecies fulfilled. We're so busy, a lot of times we don't connect the dots to realize God has got us in the place. You say, well, what about this uh, that's been going on in Washington? What's taking place in our nation with the strife and the controversy in our nation's capital? Well, could I submit to you to look at verse 7-7 where it says kingdom against kingdom, and maybe we've got a Republican kingdom and a Democrat kingdom, and maybe maybe we've got a, a kingdom of socialism and a kingdom of capitalism, and maybe we've got a kingdom of George Soros, one world, and a kingdom of patriotism and loving your own country. Maybe there's a lot of kingdoms conflicting right now on the world scene. And and think about it, this afternoon one man is going to spend $300 million out of his wallet for just ads on the Super Bowl. Just ads, one day, Super Bowl, $300 million out of his personal bank account just this afternoon. I, I submit to you ladies and gentlemen that there's a kingdom going on for power in this world. But the ultimate kingdom is the kingdom of good and evil, righteousness and unrighteousness, and that God wants you to be aware of that. You say, "Well, Pastor Ralph, where can I go with the birth pains of a sin-sick world? Uh, what can you do in the time of trouble?" We'll quickly turn to the Book of Psalms, and let me just give you this to take home with you that encourage your heart, because David he had a similar question in the time of trouble. He said in verse number 5, He shall hide me in His pavilion in Psalms 27. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me up up upon a rock. And that's not redundant there. It means that if there's a rock, an outcropping, that He's not just going to put me on the rock, but He's going to put me up high on the rock. That's above the storm. And David, think about where David was. David was in distress. David was in anxiety. David was in pain physically and emotionally. He had a broken heart. His parents had just died. Read verse 10. He he talks about his mama and daddy dying. And so he's facing all the pressures of the kingdom and ruling and government. And he feels like I've got all these people around me, but yet I'm all alone. I'm making all these decisions, but no one understands what I'm going through. And he goes to God and he says, God, I'm in anxiety. I'm in distress. I've got a broken heart. And then David gets to the point and he's saying, God, why? Why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to suffer? And many times all of us ask God that question. But you know what? David is now focused on where to go for help. He goes to God. Look at verse 4. He said, one thing I have desired of the Lord. One thing. What David did is he got focused. He got focused on the one thing. He's on the right place. He's got the right target. He's got the right pursuit. And he's saying, if I'm going to refill my emotional bucket, if I'm going to have spiritual strength, I've got to go to the right place. And what David did, he said, I'm going to go to the house of God. That's where I need to go. That's, there's nobody else can help me. My friends can't help me. My family can't help me. My political world can't help me. The military can't help me. If I'm going to get any help on this planet, I've got to go to God. And he, in his distress and in his anxiety, he did just exactly that. He said, I've got to have the right shelter for the storm that I'm in. And then he said that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. David goes to God's house. And why does he go to God's house? Number one, he goes for communion. That's where we find our fellowship. Secondly, he goes for communication. That's to get a word from God. And then he begins to understand something that he's never seen before. He's desiring God more than anything else. He wants to be one of God's family. He wants to be of the household of grace. He wants to be a home-born child. He wants to live in the house with his father. And where do I go to find this fellowship? It's down in verse number five. He said, I got to go to God's house. The best shelter in the worst danger. And then notice what he finds out. If he's in the house of God, if you were in the temple 2,000 years ago, you were walking up on the temple mount, there would be the Shekinah glory over the temple. Same story was out in the wilderness. Remember when they were out in the wilderness and the tabernacle, the tent was out there? How did they know God was with the children of Israel? Shekinah glory was over that tabernacle, over that tent. Well, now we're in Jerusalem, and here's the beautiful temple, the most beautiful building in the world. How do we know God's at home? Shekinah glory is over the top of that temple. And so David says, but God, I can't get to the temple. Right now, I'm in a battle. Right now, I'm in a struggle. Right now, I'm in a place that sometimes you feel like, you know, you can't even go to church sometimes. Sometimes you feel like you've had the spiritual wind knocked out of you. Sometimes you feel like you read the Bible, but it's just black letters on white pages, and you can't seem to get through. And you try to pray, it's like the heavens are made of brass. And you're beginning to say, where is God? God, where are you? And you know what God said to David He said, son, when you're in that situation, I'll be your strong shelter. I'll be your refuge in the storm. And he said, when you're in a battle, I'll come to you. Did you pick up on that word pavilion? You know what pavilion is? That's when the king leaves the palace. When God leaves the temple, when the king leaves the palace, and he goes to where the battle's raging, and the king would put... His pavilion, his royal tent. And where historians say that the location of the pavilion was always in the middle of the army. Wherever the battle was, wherever the troops were, the king would come out of the palace and he'd say, hey, there's a war raging. I'm not going to stay up here in the palace. I'm going to go to where they're suffering. And he would go put up the tent and he would put the, in the middle of the army and he would put up the pavilion And then the historians say that around the pavilion would then come the mighty men of the king and they would surround the king. And ladies and gentlemen, when you begin to realize what a mighty God you serve, he's not up in the heavens just there and looking at something pretty and going by day after day and saying, I'm God on the throne, I'm God up here in heaven. He's a living God. What did he say? I'll tabernacle with you I'll pavilion with you I'll go to the battle with you I'll not forsake you I'll not abandon you no matter where you are and I'll put my mighty men around you to protect you and to watch over you and nothing shall by any means harm you and you'll be sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise until the day of redemption because we're serving a living God and a mighty God, and a God that will pavilion with us wherever we are. He's not going to lose us, and we're not going to lose him because we are in the service of the Most High God. And all God's people said, Boy, what a mighty God we serve. And that's what David wanted you to realize. He found a place that God's not going to be Uh, abstract. He's not just going to be something you read about in the Bible but he's a living God and he will take care of you. And if you have to go into uh, a medical situation this week, if you have to go and have a CAT scan just remember mighty men of God. He's going to put his angels around you. If you have to go talk to the bank about your business, if you have to go meet with a lawyer about something difficult you're going through, you're not alone. If you have to go meet with a child, Gary, I appreciated what you did on the radio this week to be in salt and light to our community because that precious family had their mother taken away by a drunken driver and you stood up for what's right and for what it means to be salt and light. Ladies and gentlemen, we've got a job to do. Do not be intimidated by the works of darkness You've got God on your side. You stand strong. You pray. You encourage each other. You be salt and light for this generation. And you be a part of this local church. And together we'll serve Him until Jesus comes. All these things happened in seven days. Can you believe that? All of them in Matthew 24. And all He did for me is say, Bless God, I'm about out of here. Jesus is coming, and it could be today. And God wants us all to be encouraged by that truth. Let's stand and bow our heads together, shall we? Father, we thank you for the word. We thank you for the power of your word. We thank you that you are our temple. You are our pavilion. You are that place that we can go together and find a place of abiding peace, a place of safety, and a place of joy. I pray, Father, if there's one here today that doesn't know you in the free pardon of sin, I pray before they leave the building, they'll come to one of the pastors and say, will you take the word of God and show me how I can have saving faith. If there's one here today that's wandered away, I pray in the chapel of their chair, they'll pray, God, be merciful unto me and restore me. Do for me, O God, what I cannot do for myself. God, encourage Strengthen and bless is only you can do. We ask these things in the mighty name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you for being with us today. I pray that today God spoke to your heart. You know, it's one thing to hear Ralph talk. It's one thing to hear a choir sing. It's one thing to hear a group bring a special song presentation. But it's altogether different when you're sitting there in that hotel room in your house, maybe listening on your phone while you're at work, and God speaks to your heart. That's not me. That's not a Baptist or Methodist or Presbyterian church. That's God, that's personal, that's you. And the Bible teaches quite clearly that when God touches your heart, when he speaks to you, that you can call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. This Bible teaches that all of us have to have him. You say, well, Brother Ralph, your dad was a preacher. My dad being a preacher couldn't help me. Well, you say your mama taught Sunday school and she prayed, that couldn't help me. The Bible says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says, not me, not the Baptist, the Bible says that there's none righteous, though not one. Today is the day of salvation. You can begin. A new, It can start over. The past can be covered by the blood. You can get out of living in your rearview mirror. The guilt, the problems, God can forgive you, and you can start over today. You say, Brother Ralph, how is that possible? Well, a simple prayer is that very beginning. God, be merciful unto me, a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. And I promise you, God, from this day forward, I'll serve you with the rest of my life. You can begin again in Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you to read your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you call us, you write to us. We'll send you a copy of the Word of God. And I want to encourage you to get into a local church, a church in your community, that you can have a fellowship of faith that will help you grow and teach you about the Word of God. Today's the day of salvation. This is the first day of the rest of your life. Let's serve the Lord together and let's meet each other in heaven. I'll be praying for you and I ask you to pray for me.